right, welcome back everybody to our next installment of our series titled Welcome to College Parenting 101. Uh, today we are joined by amazing staff members from our UNT Dallas Police Department as well as our Counseling and Wellness Center. Uh, thank you both for joining us here today. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you. Uh, so the following questions are going to be tailored to each of you specifically uh, to your department that you're representing here today, uh, but the floor is open. So if we're going to exchange ideas, I absolutely welcome that. And I think our parents will appreciate uh, the multiple points of view. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. All right, so today we have our special guest from the Counseling and Wellness Center, uh, Ms. Erica Little. Uh, you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Yes, absolutely. Hi, I'm Erica Little. I'm representing the Counseling and Wellness Department. On staff, I'm the case manager and counseling associate. We have three full-time counselors on staff, myself, the case manager, um, all licensed professional, professionals, some of us are provisionally licensed, and yeah. I'm Erica. Nice to meet you. Awesome. Nice to meet you. All right. So we talked a little bit about parents uh, supporting their students through their college journey earlier in this session. I also wanted to talk to you about how parents can help their students manage uh, the stress of their academic responsibilities at a college level. Uh, what are some things that you would recommend parents do um, in this topic? Well, thank you for asking that question. There is a couple things. Well, first, I kind of want to start with that family emotional support in general. There's like studies out on like inside higher ed and a journal that talks about how family emotional support, especially for low income and first year students, have the greatest impact on the outcomes of the students. Um, and it's even related to how like much they study, how they engage with their faculty and whether or not they feel like they belong. So family support is important. So I'm glad that we're able to bring parents into this conversation. Now, um, like tips on how that they can help their students manage stress. I mean, there are few. Uh, I think the first one is to be able to put yourself in the student's shoes. This is a, probably a scary new level of adulting that they have never experienced. Um, and, can, and I believe can be met with a lot of compassion and grace and which takes a lot of the pressure off of trying to have it all figured out right away, especially for first year students. This is new, you've got forms you've never seen before asking you a lot of information, picking your own classes, hoping that you know the major you chose is what you're gonna stick with. So there's a, there's a lot of pressure. Um, so putting yourself in their shoes, knowing like they're taking on this really new big thing. Uh, Two, I think showing interest and asking them about their experience and not just their grades. So that takes a lot of the pressure off as well, um, especially when it comes around time for like finals or midterms. Uh, that's when it's the high stress. You, you can see it. Um, uh, you can almost feel it. There's so many papers that need to be turned in, so many tests that need to be taken. So being able to just ask them about their experience and not just the grades. Um, and nice gestures that remind them to take care of themselves, like care packages, a nice dinner, uh, uplifting note, maybe. Um, reminding them to do things that they love and enjoy, maybe like taking a walk, listening to music, taking a breath, taking them on a coffee date, something that 
helps them um, to remember to still take care of themselves in the midst of all of this pressure, right? Um, the third one, I think there are some parents, I love parents, you know, you, you watch these little birdies fly out of the nest, but some parents are still hyper engaged, which can add to the stress. So sometimes for some students to succeed, it's to be able to just give them the liberty and the free will to try to figure it out. And I think some of that hypervigilance is you don't want your, your students to fail. And that fear of failing, like I said, adds pressure that's already there, like adds more pressure to what's already there. So sometimes, you know, this may be an unpopular opinion, but sometimes like the best way to help them with the stress is to kind of back off a little bit, allowing them to bump their heads. If it's failing a course, you know, they students get to figure out how to learn how to study and manage their time and figure out how to best do school for themselves. So not completely disengaged, but in a way that allows them to like figure it out, um, can lighten the, the pressure a little bit too. So I think for right now, I'm gonna stick with those. I feel like that's chewable. Thank you for asking that question, Alexis. Yeah, definitely. I know that's uh, it's kind of a huge battle and like a very um, touchy subject or topic to kind of just talk about. Uh, I know personally myself, it kind of feels like sometimes um, for with my parents, like it's kind of a battle to see who has the biggest responsibility at the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, like sometimes like I know I'm a first generation student so I'm in I'm a point in my life where my parents actually never got the opportunity to experience and mm -hmm. it's not that they don't understand or have or don't want to understand it's like it's I feel like it's something that you have to pers personally experience mm -hmm. so sometimes like when we're arguing about silly stuff it's like mm -hmm. well I have to do this this and that and you're just um especially now like when we're talking like if we're talking about COVID times you just sit at home take classes mm -hmm. well it's not just you know sitting at home and taking classes it's keeping track of assignments and all this other stuff and it just builds mm -hmm. up it's more mental than it is physical mm -hmm. work so I know it's 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 a, it's a hard conversation to have with some parents sometimes yeah um but thank you thank you uh something else that i wanted to talk about is more specifically tailored for your department um i know your department offers uh, a couple sessions to us to students um per semester uh so that they have the opportunity you know to talk to somebody um if a student has never really been to a session or has never experienced that with a licensed professional what can they expect and what are some some of the other services that you can offer to promote uh, students mental health? Well, thank you for um, for asking that about the department. So I feel like when when most people think counseling anyway, they get this overwhelming feeling of like, um, I'm going to be telling my business to this like stranger. It can be a very off putting. Some people aren't comfortable with the idea of sitting with someone. Uh, with their difficult concerns, right? So I think the first thing they can expect is an empathetic and non-judgmental environment. Um, it takes the pressure off knowing that you have these licensed professionals, they've done years of school, and they can approach your concern with an unbiased, like out from the outside looking in opinion. And it's not like 
they're not going to be sitting with someone that's going to beat them over the head with advice. You know, it's one of those things where you're allowed a journey. You're allowed to be able to talk through and figure out how to best approach your concerns um, with an unbiased ear that just happens to be professional. Um, it's confidential. So we're not going to be sipping coffee with friends laughing and talking about anything that's going on in the sessions that's unethical that is not what that is not what we do right. um we're offered confidential sessions and uh, it's goal oriented so that any student can be able to work towards like meaningful change so whatever you come into session with the idea is that we're going to work with that concern over the next couple weeks you get six sessions um per academic year so over those six sessions, it is short term, it is brief, but it helps if there's a, um, if it's goal oriented. So they can expect that. As far as any other services offered, there is case management. So currently I'm a case manager on staff. And what that looks like is case management is outreach, it's direct client services. It might be some crisis intervention for students that have needs outside of either academics or mental health, but these needs impact their academics or mental health. So it might be food, it might be shelter, it might be um, legal help. And if we don't have it on campus, so the idea is resources and referrals. So if we don't have it on campus, then we engage with community organizations to get the students connected. So to be able to at least lighten that load. Um, so that's okay. kind of expect coming to our department. Okay. Yeah, um, I know myself. I haven't. I've never really been to a um, a counseling session before, or like anything in that sort of matter, until my my sister actually started going. Um, so we would have like family sessions. Um, and I would obviously be a part of it, um, and I kind of just thought I thought the same thing. Like I thought, why would why do I need to tell this stranger about my problems? You know, um, but I didn't really realize the amount of difference that it makes until I started kind of analyzing the before and after um, effects of more specifically in my sister after going mm -hmm. to these sessions. Yeah. Cause there would be some days where she would like, we would go in and she'd be kind of like, I don't know, just not really feeling it kind of mm -hmm. just neutral. And then after coming out of the sessions, she would come out with like this relief, you know, I take her mm -hmm. to get whatever, like ice cream or anything. And she'd just be a lot, a lot calmer, a lot more relieved of everything. And mm -hmm. I think it really helps out. Yeah. Well, I think especially with counseling services, um, it's kind of like going to the doctor. Like you, you don't want to just have to go to the doctor when you get really, really sick. And I think that unfortunately I feel like, uh, and I, I know in the community and like culture I grew up in, you only go when you're sick and even then you don't really want to go. Um, but the idea is if you're going in for checkups and physicals, it's preventative. It's the same thing with your, if you're going to go to the doctor for your physical health, going to counseling is like that same kind of support and preventative care for your mental health. Um, I know a lot of people kind of turn their nose up at it, but it's like, um, saying you don't like a vegetable that you've never eaten before right if i can put it that way okay um yeah definitely and i know we we kind of talked about or you touched um 
point about how it's unethical to kind of share patients, um, like the conversation that you have with parents. Uh, so what kind of like privacy policies and procedures are set uh, to protect students that decide to talk to someone from the counseling and wellness department? I know, obviously, there's like huge, like, uh, red flags that you would obviously have to report, but can you just elaborate more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as far as the privacy policies and procedures, so specifically because we're a university, um, they're already protected university-wide by FERPA, which is a federal privacy law giving protection to the educational records. Right. So they, they can expect that. But we go the step further with HIPAA um, and the Counseling and Wellness Department, which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Mm -hmm. Google it. It's a long you know, word, but it's a national standard. It protects any sensitive patient health information from being disclosed. Um, so essentially, with all of those fancy words, if we were to disclose any identifying or sensitive client information, um, that could mean our license. So they're protected nationally by the HIPAA standard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard about the HIPAA. Um, more specifically for like doctors and uh, that sort of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is actually new to me. I didn't necessarily knew that that also applied for um, yeah. these type of sessions as well. Like obviously, I know they're doctors and they're professionals, but I thought they would be something slightly different, but it's just good to know that it's all under the same branch. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when a student gets into session, uh, and they, when the counselors go over intake paperwork, they will talk about some of the exceptions to, to that, which are really just like safety exceptions. If a student is talking about suicide, homicide, or abuse to an elder, like an elderly person or a child, we're mandated um, to report that information. And it's for safety, not just to go tell on students, but right. if their safety is at, if they're at risk, then we're mandated by law to, to disclose. Um, but those are the only exceptions. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and just one last question for you, Erica. Mm -hmm. It's been a really good conversation. Um, but if a student did require further assistance, um, what are some of the, I guess, outside resources from the university that you could provide, or how else could you help? Okay. Well, first, if there, if um, any parent or student listening wants to obtain their sessions, because it is at no cost to them, it's paid through their student service fees, so they can go ahead and go online to the UNT Dallas website. The Office of Student Affairs, there's a link in the menu that says get help and you'll uh, you'll select the request for counseling services form. They'll fill out that form and then one of the counselors will get back to them within the 24-48 hours. Um, they can also email the Counseling and Wellness Center at counseling.wellness at untdallas.edu. So that would be the first step is to just go ahead and reach out and get scheduled, have a conversation, um, get connected. Now, if a student needed something more than the six sessions offered, we have a list of uh, community referrals that we can offer the student for long-term sessions for them to be able to reach out to those counseling um, centers and connect with those community resources. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And that would be, um, would that be locally around UNT Dallas yeah. or around the Metroplex? It's in the, it's in the DFW Metroplex. It's closer to campus, but it's, you know, here and there, but it isn't, they are in Dallas. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. That's, that's actually good to know. I might mm-hmm. go and check those out. Never, yeah. like I said, I've never really tried that, but um, I'm going to slowly try to build up the courage to go seek or just, you know, go for a casual counseling session here and there. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I recommend it. And even when you talk to your counselors, like even myself as a counselor, I see a counselor because you, you just realize how important it is um, to just check in on yourself. I think we spend so much time trying to fill everybody else's cup and um, you just need, sometimes you need the space to be able to fill your own cup back up. So, um, and it helps, like you were talking about with encouraging, like kind of being nervous about seeking counseling services is kind of what you did. You did such a, it was a brave thing to say, hey, I went to go check out a counseling service. When you do that in front of your friends, it gives them permission to say, oh, well, he's comfortable with it. Maybe it's not so scary. Um, so thank you for even bringing that up. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, well, those are all the topics that we really wanted to touch on today. I really do appreciate you coming on here and um, giving our parents some information about our our department here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, uh, after this, we'll go into the UNT Dallas Police Department section, and then uh, we'll move on to the next episode. See you guys here in just a second. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the second part of our episode here with Council Wellness and uh, UNT Dallas Police Department. Uh, today, we have uh, a police officer from the UNT Dallas Police uh, Department here to speak with everybody, um, kind of give some information about what it is they do. Uh, so you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody? Yes, hello. My name is Lieutenant Green. I'm with the UNT Dallas Police Department. Um, I am the administrative lieutenant um, actually in the department. All right. It was very nice to have you here. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. I just wanted to start off by asking, uh, what is what does like a typical day look like? for you or for any uh, UNC Dallas police department, uh, police officer on campus? Okay, so I would, I would speak from the patrol um, perspective because they're gonna be the most visible um, within the campus community. So um, a typical day for patrol is definitely gonna be um, making sure that the campus and the surroundings are safe and secure. So whether that be in monitoring Um, the cameras that we have all around um, the university, as well as the walking trail. Um, Our officers will walk, they will interact with the students, faculty and staff. Um, They make regular rounds um, on the hour. Um, So you have officers that are assigned to um, patrol all of the buildings, as well as the parking lots, as well as the DART train station um, property that UNT Um, Dallas leases out, and then also the trail. So our officers are very proactive with 
um, just walking around, you know, making sure that the campus is um, safe and secure. Um, they also um, periodically, if our parking department, if there's no one on staff there, our officers will um, also conduct shuttle rides. If um, people are parked, like at the DART station and it's late at night or it's, it's raining and they, they're wanting a shuttle service, our officers also provide that as well. Okay. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot about um, the shuttle buses and um, a lot of the times, a lot of people did use those from the time that I was on campus for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So those are pretty useful, especially at night because um, it's dark, you can't really see too well. Uh, so those are really helpful. Um, I also wanted to talk about something more specific into obviously something that affects not just our school, but um, the whole state for a matter. Uh, there's a lot of new drastic changes uh, when it comes to the laws and regulations about uh, gun control. Um, there has been a new signed uh, bill into law uh, that basically states any law-abiding citizen over the age of 21 can legally carry a handgun without a license. Um, mm -hmm. What steps has the police department on campus taken since this recent change, uh, if there are any? Okay, so so let me speak um, towards that, and that's a very good question, and I want to definitely clarify that for the campus community. Well, within that bill, there's an exception, and so the exception to that rule is K through um, colleges and universities. That does not apply. So open carry does not apply on our campus. However, as it did before this bill, there was concealed carry. So students, faculty, um, anyone that comes to the campus, they can still uh, carry concealed. However, you have to have a license, a concealed uh, handgun license to carry concealed. So that hasn't changed. Um, there are still prohibited places where people cannot go, whether it's the counseling lab, um, computer labs. So there are various spots that, that even a concealed person cannot go. But as far as open carry, they cannot and they are not prohibited to carry on our campus. Okay. And so the steps, so you asked what steps have we taken? So our officers are very vigilant, um, not only our officers, but the campus community. So when we open up, if, if a faculty or a staff member or someone sees someone open carrying, they have our phone numbers, they know how to get in touch with us and an officer will um, show up and respond appropriately. Okay, uh, and it's interesting that you mentioned that um, even those that are, have their concealed license um, they don't have access to certain rooms or um, locations on campus. If they did want it to gain access to those uh, certain specific locations on campus, where would they go to like, I guess like leave their weapon or would they leave it in their car? Would they turn it into the police department? What? Yeah, what is they it? would have to, they would leave it. They would have to leave it in their car. We, we're not responsible for taking a person's um, a weapon, their handgun from them. Um, if, if, if students that are in the dorm, dormitory, 
Um, they're in their concealed handgun. Their guns are supposed to be locked up anyway. Um, but we we would not know. Um, um, there's a statutory provision that you know law enforcement can't ask a concealed handgun carrier for for their weapon unless you know you're you're making a lawful stop or you're detaining someone. But as far as like us knowing like who carries. That's not something that that we would know or that we're privileged to know. Um, but if someone was to come on campus with their concealed gun, they would have to just leave and they have to go to one of those locations that are prohibited. They would just have to leave it in their cars or take them home. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, I actually wanted to talk a little bit more about like, cause you mentioned dorm the dorms um, and like it the students that live there they would obviously have to lock up their weapon, of course. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about like some of the, per some other type of personal possessions that are like blacklisted or prohibited from being on campus or in the residence hall? Of course, um, the three big ones, um, drugs and alcohol. So any illegal, any anything illegal um, are, not, are prohibited from being on the campus hall. Now, as far as um, what the dormitory, what they prohibited that's not a criminal, that doesn't um, apply criminally, I couldn't answer to that because I'm sure they have their rules. But as far as on a criminal level, um, where, in, where, in which we would be involved, it's definitely going to be, you know, no marijuana, no, no, no any illegal drugs and no alcohol. And if they're not concealed, um, if they don't have a license to carry, then those weapons would not, would be prohibited as well. Okay, uh, and this is like a quick question and I was just curious. Um, so when, during the time that they're on campus and they're actually living in their dorms, um, is there a signed dorm room? Would that be considered an extension of their home or what? Is, is that the only way they would allow a concealed carry in that location? No, in their dormitory? No, they're prohibited. That That's their residence. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that, as, as long as they're there, that's their residence. And so they're permitted to um, to have, have it in there as long as it's secure. Okay, okay. Um, and as far as like the alcohol that goes, I know it's like some parents um, would have this question. Is that, is, does that apply to all the students or just those that are under the age of 21? No, that applies to all students. And that, that, that's, not a, um, that's not a regulation from the police department. That's a, that's a university policy. Okay, okay. Um, well, yeah, this is all really great information. I know there's not a lot of things um, to talk about outside of your website because your website's super, super detailed and we appreciate that as well. Um, uh -huh. where, where can parents um, go to find more information or um, if they need to reach out about, a, about something that they need or something dealing with a student, where, where can they reach out to you guys? Oh, absolutely. So um, regarding um, our contact information, we are located on the first floor in Founders Hall, Suite 135. Um, so they can always stop by the police department. Um, we never close. It's, you know, we're, we're 365, um, 24 seven. And then they can also reach us 
online. Um, so if you go to UNT Dallas under resources, police department, um, it, it will have our contact information. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Green, for joining us here today, um, taking time out of your busy schedule. We definitely do appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure our parents appreciate it as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity um, to definitely, you know, give as much as information as the police department have. If there's anything that that we can do, you know, to make the parents feel safe, the students feel safe, because they're mainly there. They are our priority. And so we're here to help. We're here to serve and we're here to make sure that they stay safe. Of course. Thank you very much. Um, well, that's it for this episode. Hopefully you guys can tune into the next one um, and we'll see you guys uh, later. Y'all have a good All one. Right. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.